Hey, NetSuite listeners. Thanks for tuning in to the NetSuite podcast. I'm Ian McHugh, co-host of the podcast and a senior content marketing manager at NetSuite. You'll start to see me here more regularly as my colleague Megan O'Brien and I take the podcast reins from Kendall. I'm really excited for this episode with Rick Bowerly, founder and CEO of Granite Partners, a firm that makes long-term investments in Minnesota-based businesses. Their portfolio of 10 companies includes several industrial manufacturers, along with a few services businesses. Rick explains how Granite's 100-year view shapes its strategy and decisions in managing these private companies. He also talks about why it's an appealing option for retiring owners. Rick also details the firm's guiding principles that influence its acquisition and management strategy. He gets into the hairball of systems Granite companies used and why they finally reached a breaking point with that technology back in 2020. He also explains why NetSuite was the right choice for Granite's businesses and how it supported their growth. As one of the first customers using NetSuite's configure price and quote tool, the Granite CEO dives into how the CPQ solution has increased accuracy to save these businesses time and money. Rick also touches on how NetSuite has helped with reporting, inventory management, and warehousing and fulfillment. Finally, Rick shares how Granite companies have dealt with widespread issues around resource scarcity and inflation and how the current economic landscape impacts the firm's investment strategy. Stay tuned, that's all coming up next. You're listening to the NetSuite Podcast, where we discuss what's happening within NetSuite, why we're doing it, and where we're heading in the future. We'll dive into the details about the software and the people at NetSuite who are behind all the moving parts. We'll also feature customer growth stories, discussing the ups and downs of running a company, and how one integrated system can help your business continue to scale. So Rick, to get us started, could you just tell us a little bit more about Granite Partners, how the company kind of came to be, and why you maybe decided to invest in Minnesota-based businesses? Sure. Um, Granite Partners uh, is a private investment and holding company, and we invest in private uh, businesses really when the owner who's often the CEO, wants to retire. And that owner has made a decision uh, to start to transition uh, the business uh, to a next owner. And so we want to be um, a great alternative for that owner to consider. Um, they often have a large strategic public company that might be interested because you know we look for great businesses. And uh, they often have traditional private equity funds uh, who might be interested where you know a private equity fund tends to own for three to five to seven years and our alternative is private and local and long-term ownership where we buy to hold the companies uh, which is an important distinction uh, we don't sell them and um, and so we are very focused on their growth and what we call 100 year sustainability the reason for minnesota is that's where we grew up that's where our management team is that's where uh, the families our family and a series of other families uh, who capitalize granite you know live and work and and uh, built their own family businesses and it's where our leadership teams are it's where our supply chains uh, start from and so we just have a dense minnesota roots and network uh, from which we grow yeah, that's, that's great. Really appreciate that overview. And today I know that, that Granite owns 10 companies across a, a number of different sectors. How do you kind of find these businesses and, and how do you make sure they're the right fit? What makes them the right fit? How do you identify them as the right fit? Yeah, so we, um, you know, we've been in business for 20 years and we have this 100-year view. 
So we are present. We are in market. And we um, have been building our brand and our mission for 20 years. So uh, some owners know about us directly uh, across you know, Minnesota. Some of them hear about us through their accounting firm or their law firm or their you know, bank. Uh, but we want to be known to them as an alternative, and we can have coffee and see if it's a good fit as between their goals uh, for a business they've often built for 20 or 30 years and really our, uh, our mission uh, and our, our resources. We tend to look for four things um, in a company, and the first is a little unorthodox. It's really about the owner. It's really about the CEO, often one and the same or the family, you know, that help build this business. And we look for owners um, who value local, private, long-term, sustainable ownership for the stakeholders they built. Really a keen focus on their team members and a keen commitment to their future opportunities and a keen focus on the great customer base they've built, the suppliers they've built, and often the community often a regional center or town where that company has a significant you know, community impact. So when we meet an owner who cares deeply about all stakeholders, um, it then tends to be a good fit with our mission of growing companies to create value for all stakeholders. That's uh, our stated mission. And then after you know, really assessing fit with an owner, which is really about conversation and um, getting to know each other then of course we look at the industry is it an industry that has growth factors behind it then we look at the company is the company well positioned within that industry does it have a strong position and can it sustain and then fourth we ask you know can we add value to that company um, we want to be able to help grow it, uh, to help strengthen uh, and sustain it. And generally, you know, uh, amongst some other questions, when, when we get to yes on those four, then, and the owner gets to yes on their really significant, you know, due diligence on us, our mission, our values, then we can come together uh, in a long-term partnership. And what kind of sparked the idea for this business? Like you said, it's been around 20 years, but how did you have this idea to invest in Minnesota businesses that, you know, had all these things and were, were family-owned and private. Where did that kind of come out of? The spark just came out of history. And uh, in our region, um, I grew up in a family business that my parents and my uncles started. We had uh, been 30-plus years in a road construction business through 2001. And then uh, we sold that business to a large public company. And so we had capital to reinvest uh, from the sale of the family business. And um, we had time. I had time to reinvest. I had been working there for some years. And so in addition to Bowerly companies having been sold, it was about the 10th company in a row in a little over a decade in our regional center that had been sold. And um, you know, the benefits of local and long-term and private ownership in a region uh, to the whole community are really strong. And so there was a, a group of businesses, including some of those that had been sold, um, as well as other family business owners who still were growing their family businesses, who had a common conviction that there was a different way and a better way 
of owning companies. Uh, certainly the public company ownership model is here forever and it uh, owns most of uh, us, you know, most of the economy. Private equity is here forever for shorter term intensive uh, investing. It's here to stay. It owns a lot of the economy, but uh, much like a family office, our, uh, our fund you know, can buy and hold and uh, keep ownership local, more local uh, for the long run. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And over the last 20 years, how has the firm kind of grown and evolved since you, you first started it? Yeah, so it grew from an idea and, you know, a business plan and uh, a team. Uh, some partners joined me and we gradually built a, a team. Uh, we had no investments at first. We've gradually built investments. We didn't have really a lot of services to bring to the companies at first. We've built out a lot of services that companies can share. Uh, you know the foundation as we call it and so it's really uh, you know from nothing to something and uh, today 10 companies 2,500 team members across those companies that we are earnest about being good stewards for um, we are uh, around a billion dollars uh, in equity value now kind of the value uh, of the company so we've grown significantly in scale and in scope um, in strength and in, in sustainability, uh, and yet there's a still there's still a whole world of opportunity out there uh, for us to continue to grow and have impact, um, you know, for all stakeholders. So, Rick, we we talked a bit about what you look for in a company, what makes a company the right fit for Granite. But once you take that ownership stake in a company, what are kind of the the guiding principles that, let's say, direct your your management of the company that that you are taking an interest in? Yeah, so I mentioned two of them in our mission statement. We grow companies, so it's a guiding principle to really help look for growth opportunities. And the second is we do that to create value for all stakeholders, not you know just the stockholder, not just for us and you know others. Uh, it's really about thinking about all of those stakeholders and how we can you know create value for them. I'd say there's a few other principles. Um, one we call our objective, our overarching you know, metric that we're looking to achieve. And for us, it's, it's different than, than many companies. Our objective is to sustain for 100 years. That Granite Partners and the Granite community would exist in 100 years in a, you know, competitive global marketplace where many businesses fail, you know, in the second decade or the third decade. So by focusing on sustainability and 100 years, we make a lot of daily decisions, um, small daily decisions or big you know, annual decisions differently than if you're trying to grow something for three years or if you're trying to meet quarterly uh, you know, earnings uh, as uh, some public companies have to focus on. So I would say those are a few of the themes. Our vision statement is another theme where we focus on uh, trying to uh, uh, create and support world-class well-being, we call it. So the health and well-being of our team members is, you know, first and foremost, but health and well-being of all stakeholders in our community uh, is our vision. And so if, you're, if you are thinking about the well-being uh, of all stakeholders, you also make 
decisions differently than if, say, financial well-being is the only element uh, that you're thinking about. And so we try to also focus on social and, uh, you know, relationship well-being, community well-being, um, as well as, um, you know, physical uh, and health uh, well-being. So those are some of the themes. And given the, you know, the, the background of the firm, your background, I imagine that you kind of bring a a certain degree of financial expertise into these these companies when you you take them over how do you how do you kind of leverage that knowledge that experience in finance to to help the business yeah so our team we're almost 30 people in our granite partners team and we really we really do have a lot of experience and a lot of education in investing in finance in accounting in value measurement and so the, that tool set is 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 strong uh, for us, and you know usually we're investing in companies that have growth and that have strong margins. We aren't investing in turnarounds or startups, so there's no um, you know urgency uh, about our work uh, on all things uh, finance or financial reporting, but there is some growing people, process, and systems that we bring, um, not just to finance, but really to the whole of the management system, uh, the governance system and the management system uh, for, uh, for the business. What would you say are, are some of the challenges that kind of come with managing what are all unique, different companies, each kind of have their own needs, I imagine. What are the challenges that come with, with dealing with all that while still kind of keeping everything under this, this one umbrella of granite? Yeah, it's a, it's a very good question. It's a perennial uh, question for you know, all organizations, uh, especially businesses. It's a question that never goes away. And uh, to frame it more specifically, there's a question of how centralized should a business be and or how decentralized should a business be or a nonprofit or a school or, you know, uh, school district or what have you and what we try to do is find a balance uh, we call it a midpoint between the extremes of centralization and decentralization and we call it collaboration it's how and where should 10 really independent companies largely independent companies with common ownership uh, in us where and when and how should they collaborate and the answer is different. It should be different based on, you know, the process we're talking about. And it can and should be different based on the size of the company, the stage of the company. Um, it should be different based on the state of the uh, economy. And so we are in a dynamic balancing act trying to find the right equilibrium, uh, you know, of collaboration. And so, you know, by way of example, um, you know, uh, NetSuite is a good example um, where each company, as we purchased it, was on its own set of processes and systems. Um, and, um, you know, these 10 companies, none of them were on NetSuite uh, when we purchased them. They're you know, 20, 30, 40 year old companies that really um, often have 10 and 20 year old, you know, uh, information systems and so we collaborate on bringing NetSuite into every company and across every company uh, really for a lot of processes that are common 
And then it's important that whatever we're doing across companies, that it can be tailor, tailored and customized to that, the unique requirements of that industry, that company, its size, its stage of uh, development. So um, that is um, you know, uh, why NetSuite, as in this example, is uh, a good fit because it is highly tailorable you know, across industries, companies, and stages. So collaboration is the goal. Um, and it is a uh, it, it is an ongoing uh, balance. And kind of a, a company about the structure of the organization and, and your companies. Does each of these ten companies have an, have their own dedicated finance team, or does Granite kind of manage the financial side for all of them? Yeah, that is, that too is a both and. It's a collaboration. But eighty plus percent of the staff of the drive of the skill, the intelligence for finance and accounting is in the granite companies. And then we try, if the other 20% is in granite partners in our holding company, we try to do work that is complementary to what uh, is done uh, in, in the company. So by way of example, we really help uh, lead the banking relationships with and for all of the companies uh, in helping to design the right credit facilities for them to help them grow and then they really manage um, you know cash uh, and they manage accounting financial reporting tax you know audit uh, as part of their roles and kind of shifting to the technology side of things which you already got into a little bit but what could you tell us more about the systems that some of these other companies were running on and, and especially where they were maybe falling short, where they weren't getting the job done as, as well as they could be? Yeah, I'd say the general pattern in entrepreneurial first-generation companies is an action orientation uh, of great people making decisions based on high experience. I would, I would say great people are what start and grow companies through their first phase. And business process starts to develop, you know, in some of those early years. And, you know, really modern systems uh, start to develop as well. Um, what we tend to find is great people that we're partnering with in the companies and then we can help um, invest in, invest cash, invest more skilling up, investing uh, in new positions uh, to strengthen business processes and uh, really to enable it then with uh, information systems. And so what we, um, you know, we find uh, and we, we engage Deloitte actually to study all of our systems uh, across all of the companies uh, in 2020 and they kind of documented uh, what, what the current state was. and. It is what NetSuite calls the hairball. It is uh, that there are um, individual islands of data and processes and systems that really are disintegrated. They're not integrated. And they're often older generation systems, you know, client server model systems that are going to be sunset in time as the world moves to cloud computing. So the sunsetting is a mandate for us to get off of a system. Uh, but, um, you know, the upside um, is also a, a primary driver to have a modern system that we can scale revenue on and uh, scale the whole enterprise on. So we've then been about moving from uh, moving away from uh, the more manual, the more fragmented uh, hairball towards, um, you know, a global scalable system. And you said that that evaluation process kind of happened in, in 2020. 
So any reason it, it happened then? Was it just something you'd been thinking about for a long time and finally decided to, to pull the trigger on it? Yeah, I think it was a tipping point. You know, it's uh, we'd been talking about it for quite some time. Several companies were coming to Sunsets uh, on other platforms. Um, and um, COVID was an accelerant for all of us, uh, thinking of being digital uh, and, and enhancing our digital uh, uh, capabilities. Um, and of course, cloud computing's just been accelerating last 20 years, last three to five years in particular. Um, and so, and we've been really uh, blessed with great talent, digital talent and leadership that was adding drive for more investment in these digital systems. Um, and so we galvanized a, you know, a, a purpose uh, here, which is our 100 year sustainability. We've now got a great coalition of 30 leaders uh, here, uh, president at Sweet World uh, today. Um, who are helping to really drive uh, NetSuite as our foundation across all of the companies. So after you, you went through that evaluation, what kind of stood out about NetSuite to make it the right system for, for Granite partners and, and Granite companies as well? What maybe uh, business challenges did you feel like it could solve better than other solutions you might have looked at? Yeah, I think the primary feature uh, driver is moving from disintegrated systems and islands of systems that can't talk to each other into an integrated an end-to-end of full you know business and transaction system and there you know NetSuite uh, the second part of that analysis is then I'll call it the how modern is the platform is it cloud native is it scalable is it secure does it have proven reliability Uh, can it grow globally with us and when you take the, those two factors integrated and end-to-end and then modern cloud native proven scalability and security um, there's really only one system and that system is uh, Oracle NetSuite and uh, we did consider you know all of the alternatives and um, while there all there are alternatives for us in our medium-sized, growing uh, global companies, um, the alternatives um, are a very distant tertiary. How did six out of the top seven best-performing tech stocks gain visibility and control over financials, inventory, planning, and budgeting with NetSuite by Oracle? Answers at netsuite.com code, netsuite.com code. So, Rick, I know this is kind of a, a big question, but broadly speaking, what were some of the, the most notable improvements all of these different companies as well as Granite Partners saw once you started using NetSuite? For Granite Partners, you know, we've been using NetSuite since 2002 uh, and almost 20 years now. And so for us in managing the holding company, it just brings great, you know, accounting, financial reporting and analytics for us. Importantly for microbiologics, when we invested in that great company in 2008, it had the typical uh, systems profile. There was a homegrown system in the front office, uh, you know, for thinking about uh, quotes and customer interactions. There was a system in the middle uh, for fulfillment, and there was a system in the back for accounting, and all three were separate, disintegrated uh, systems and the company had grown significantly through 2008 and was at that kind of pressure point and you know plateau in their growth 
uh, because the process and the system were not scalable despite uh, the great people. And so um, upon investment, um, you know, we and the executives really set out um, on bringing NetSuite into the business uh, 2010 or a bit thereafter. And there's a great team there um, who has really um, used more and more of the suite uh, over the last, call it 10 plus years. And as a case study, that company in that, call it last 10 years, has grown revenue significantly. And I don't mean by percentages, I mean revenue is five-fold, five times what it was uh, when we invested and um, earnings um, are even a, a, a more significant multiple um, than five times. So there's proof in the continuing growth and the expanding um, you know, margins um, uh, over time. And, we have a second uh, great company in Geocom and that provides uh, geographic information systems and data for public safety purposes. It's a software company and you know we invested in 2013 when the founders were transitioning and so we're nine years into that business and they were on you know uh, again a typical kind of profile of uh, processes and in this case uh, the system was a Microsoft based platform that just wasn't able to uh, grow with the business in their case um, a highly contract oriented business and pro uh, project oriented business where you have to account for revenue recognition and earnings recognition uh, for dozens uh, even hundreds uh, of projects and in that case we just didn't have confidence in the resulting financial statements at the end uh, of the end-to-end -end process. And so NetSuite, um, a great, uh, great uh, executive team and, and leaders there uh, implemented NetSuite and very quickly got um, you know, to much higher um, confidence in the revenue being recognized each month across hundreds of projects and the resulting earnings and, and cash flow uh, accuracy uh, for the company. So again, when a, when a company reaches a plateau like that where you lack confidence uh, in uh, understanding the health, the financial health of the business, it's very hard to grow and invest heavily. And since then, the company has grown very significantly. Its margins have gone up and the, the, the company uh, is now uh, celebrating a 25th anniversary. And both of these examples, Microbiologics and Geocom, they're on their way to 100 years. They are, uh, they're past uh, a lot of the early risk in business and they are sustainable and growing in uh, sustainability. So those are three examples, Microbiologics, Granite Partners and Geocom, where the proof is really uh, in the results of the companies. Yeah, I think those are great examples that really highlight how how NetSuite has helped in a in a very tangible way. And then um, Granite is is also one of our, our first customers using the Configure Price and Quote or CPQ tool. First of all, Rick, could you just kind of explain why why some of the Granite companies needed that application? Yeah, so all of our companies are niche uh, players um, that provide a premium product. Most of them are product based companies a premium product um, or service. And when you're competing for advantage, you know, in any uh, competitive niche, and you are 
uh, charging a premium price for a more valuable product and service, you are uh, often configuring a base product, a base service or solution, and you're adding accessories, features, warranties, or other forms uh, of value. And so really all 10 of our companies are configuring value-added products uh, and services. And, um, you know, so a simple, flat product and price list is not our reality. Um, we aren't a low-cost, mass-market, standard product or service provider uh, in general. So the high value and the high complexity uh, and configurability uh, of our products and services lend themselves to NetSuite's CPQ uh, engine. How did these companies that need to configure and price products do this before? Was it physical pricing lists? Was it spreadsheets? Was it something else? It was great people. It was really great people. You know, great uh, sales leaders, great engineering minds, great production managers. And then they were using tools like printed price books and or product you know, catalogs uh, uh, in Excel and or SolidWorks is, you know, a big part of our practice because we're engineering advanced, you know, um, you know, products. And so uh, some of the kind of configuration of the product is done in there. So separate systems, not integrated, and um, that is what leads to the chance for human error and inaccuracies and rework you know, uh, starting in the front office, flowing through, you know, fulfillment and manufacturing uh, into uh, the back office. So there was a, you know, uh, there's a there's a very large opportunity uh, for us to strengthen process, end-to-end -end process uh, uh, of configuration and, um, you know, to benefit from it over time. And I know it's pretty early in terms of how long companies have been using this tool for their uh, configuration and quoting and all that, but but what are the results you've seen so far? How has it helped with uh, the, those different pieces that go into kind of building and, and selling custom products? Yeah, the you know the um, the value lies in um, data being more accurate, the product configuration itself being more accurate, the price uh, configuration again, not just simple pricing, being more accurate and then flowing into a proposal that's accurate and accepted and then downstream into bills of materials, work routings, work orders, purchase orders um, that are accurate. So accuracy is, you know, um, is a form of quality. And uh, so we, we, we grow our accuracy and our quality and we reduce uh, rework. As a result of that, cycle times decline. The, the time from the start to the end of the process, from you know uh, the first lead all the way through payment in the end, um, you know can be condensed. And we also compete on speed as a you know, middle market companies, often competing against large global companies. Um, we compete on differentiated products. We compete on speed, deciding faster, moving faster, uh, faster lead times, faster uh, delivery times, uh, faster. Uh, response time. So we have our early evidence uh, in two companies that are using CPQ of growing accuracy, growing speed, and those things allow for uh, greater revenue growth 
uh, with the same number of resources because you're not focusing on rework and they allow for uh, greater pricing power and greater uh, cost management and margins over time. And obviously there's other CPQ tools you've you could have chosen there there's other software out there why why NetSuite CPQ was it kind of having that unified platform with with all the other components of the business I'd say it's three reasons uh, the first and foremost is as you suggest um, it's the fact that it's integrated it's native to NetSuite it's not separate and standalone where ultimately the resulting quote has to be manually walked over by a person to a new system and manually re-entered and or electronically integrated where there's you know failure rates in some of those integrations so the integration again is the primary driver but it's certainly not the only source of a premium value the second is that CPQ engines in general can have various levels of flexibility, designability, you know, extensibility to fit very different industries, products, services, and solutions. And so um, we, uh, in addition to the two companies that are using it, we have two companies that are um, uh, close to going live on it. And we uh, have presented it with uh, some of the most complex configurations that are imaginable in products um, and uh, you know some of very high scalability requirements and we have not felt any uh, limitations in the tool set the tool set really can automate what we can design uh, on paper and um, you know what is best for uh, delivering value uh, to customers so second is how robust it is how dynamic it is how flexible it is the ability to have logic math, rules, validations that fit um, our uh, process uh, requirements. I'd say the third is that it's just a very good value. You know, when you look at the licensing cost uh, for NetSuite CPQ relative to the long-term, you know, value, uh, there's a very high return on investment. It's not a cost-based decision. It's a it's a it's an ROI based decision. And then I want to ask about a few other components in NetSuite that you're using. The first just being kind of around reporting. Obviously, that's one of the the big value adds whenever you kind of update your technology or ERP system. How did NetSuite and Suite Analytics and that component give you kind of more access to different reports, different analytics, whatever that that you didn't have before? And are there any uh, specific reports or, or analytics that, that have been particularly valuable to Granite or to your companies? Yeah, I, I think of the, um, the analytics capabilities in a series of tiers uh, within NetSuite. First, you know, there's a whole series of searches um, you know, that come out of the box uh, with NetSuite, and all of those searches can be customized to your, your business. So business users, users can do that. They can find the information uh, that they want uh, on any given day. The second is, you know, hundreds of reports across the front, middle, and back office come out of the box. And again, those reports can be customized, you know, quickly by uh, business users. Um, the third, then, is the key performance indicators across the system, you know, that uh, Deloitte helps us set up on implementation, you know, um, 
our uh, technology teams can quickly uh, adapt for various users so that they have the key performance indicators on their processes in front of them uh, every, uh, every day. And then um, the fourth level really is uh, Suite Analytics and you know, the workbooks that are available, um, whether you're looking at you know, the, um, uh, whether you're looking at revenue uh, analysis or whether you're looking at certain uh, cost or inventory analysis. The workbooks, um, you know, a series of them come out of the box. Others can be set up uh, fairly quickly so that you can slice and dice and pivot um, and visualize um, your data uh, really quite quickly. And um, so we are early in using Suite Analytics, but we're seeing its power over time, and we're eager to learn more now about um, you know the broader uh, you know NetSuite um, you know warehousing um, uh, capabilities. And then Granite also uses NetSuite's warehouse management system or, or WMS. First off, just where did the the need kind of arise for for that system? Yeah, we use the full advanced manufacturing module, the full warehouse management module, uh, all the way through complex you know, shipping uh, and transportation uh, systems for nine of our companies because they are you know, product-based and uh, engineering-oriented. Uh, and so it's just the nature of our industries and products that lead us you know, to really pretty full and, and advanced use of what I call the middle office and really... Uh, fulfillment um, over time and so those capabilities are very broad we might be capturing 50% of the the suite uh, today and we've got some years of using more and more of the capabilities in um, um, in manufacturing in uh, warehouse and distribution and in supply chain management and how has that that module helped so far has it helped with your inventory management with maybe the productivity of your your warehouse or manufacturing staff yeah, I think productivity is certainly an element that, uh, you know, without these tools, it would certainly take more people for the same uh, throughput. I think there's gains in quality, there's gains in cycle time and velocity, there's gains in some, you know, joy in the users, um, you know, team members who have a, a modern system, reliable, secure, scalable, it performs for them. And uh, as they skill up and learn more about it, they, um, you know, they can really manage their day and their team uh, more effectively. And then shifting gears a little bit to kind of the, the current economic climate, if you will, you know, we've, we've seen a lot, heard a lot lately about cutting costs, uh, new focus, or, or I should say a renewed focus on profitability. Um, has that come into focus for, for Granite's businesses at all? And if so, what, what steps are you maybe taking to, to support those, those goals? Well, with a hundred-year view, we we really don't you know undertake uh, any drastic uh, cost cutting, but we are stewards. We're good stewards of resources, and so we're always looking for leaning out processes. We're looking for um, you know savings of time uh, and not wasting uh, raw materials. So there's a real drive in uh, all, all team members to do that. NetSuite just helps them, you know, with the information and the, the foundation uh, to do that. So our, our greater focus is on managing price in this inflationary environment and in this supply chain environment where there's a great scarcity, um, you know, of, of resources. And so CPQ helps us manage price with greater accuracy 
greater specificity because you're not just bundling a total price. You're, you're really thinking about every element of the value delivered and you're ultimately uh, commanding more price when you have a strong uh, market position. And then it gives us greater visibility into our pricing patterns and trends and where, there might, where we might be underpriced relative to competition or relative uh, to our value. So velocity and agility in pricing, really mastering uh, price management, um, I think is, the, is, a, is a, a great next frontier for many businesses. Um, and um, you know, for us uh, included. And as we, we start to wrap up here, Rick wanted to ask a, a couple questions kind of about the, the future of the business. What does Granite Partners have, have planned for the near future to make sure it continues serving, as, as you've kind of said here, both your employees and your investors? And does this, this current or maybe the, the economic climate that we're expecting over the next couple of years, does that affect your strategy at all? Sure. Well, you know, we uh, we will continue to grow companies. Our companies are growing, um, you know, really across the past 20 years. We've grown every year. Um, we will continue to add companies uh, to our family. We'll continue to bring smaller companies uh, into, you know, acquire them into our our 10 uh, platform companies. So there's just a lot of good uh, momentum for that, and that will all continue. So that's the growing companies part of our mission. And then creating value for all stakeholders is, uh, you know, an equally challenging part and, and uh, even a more important part than just growth alone. And so creating value for team members is top of mind, you know, in this uh, talent market, uh, you know, the coming decades, there will continue to be a a shortage of, of talent. Talent will have many options uh, that they can choose from. And so we do a lot of work uh, on, on uh, you know, creating a culture and each of the companies works on being you know, really a great place to work, focused on total well-being for team members so that we are retaining at high rates. And you know, we are retaining at higher rates than our competitors, but there's still uh, more that we can do uh, to really, um, you know, empower a lifetime for a person and retain them uh, for a lifetime. And then there's a lot of work being done on attracting talent. We have 2,500 team members. We have 200 open positions right now. And so we have internal recruiting teams in each Granite company. We have an internal recruiting team in Granite Partners and uh, really want to, uh, you know, focus on our internships, apprenticeships, mentorships to attract uh, even more talent, uh, you know, uh, uh, faster than our competitors in our respective industries uh, to help fuel that growth. And with then great team members, we can continue to provide, you know, really superior value to customers and be great long-term partners for suppliers. How do you envision NetSuite maybe supporting some of those those future plans in the coming years? Well, I just think of NetSuite everywhere. You know, NetSuite as our foundational business and transaction system in every current company, every future company, and I envision it as the basement of a great building. It is the foundation uh, that's broadening and deepening and strengthening uh, on which uh, we can grow. And it then enables uh, us all in our digital skills, um, in our digital intelligence uh, for all team members and thus we can innovate products and we can um, accelerate our work uh, for customers uh, over time. So I imagine NetSuite 
electrifying uh, the granite companies and continuing to fuel our growth and value creation. And my last question for you today, Rick, um, if you were kind of pitching other investment firms like Granite on, on moving their companies and, and the holding company itself to NetSuite, what would kind of your, your positioning look like or your argument look like for, for why they should move? Well, it's a, it's a return on investment uh, analysis. It's about uh, investing in you know, some subscription uh, licensing to what we think is the, the best system in the world for our middle market companies in exchange for the returns that come from revenue growth, uh, from margin expansion, from cash flow uh, acceleration and serving stakeholders in a way that they continue to come you know, to, uh, to the portfolio uh, companies over time. So I think it's just bringing the same uh, thinking that um, you know, investment companies use when deciding to invest in a business uh, using that same thinking uh, for deciding uh, whether and how much to invest in a modern cloud-based and scalable system. All right. Well, thank you so much for your insights today, Rick. Really appreciate the time. Thank you, Ian. Have a great day. Really an amazing customer that demonstrates how NetSuite has supported a company that now has more than 2,500 employees and a billion dollars in equity value across its businesses. Such an interesting model for an investment group. I love how they focus on employee and community well-being rather than just financial results, which ultimately translates into positive results for all their shareholders. Thank you again to Rick Bowerly for joining us and sharing Granite's story. I also want to extend another thank you to our editing crew over at Lampstand and, as always, all of you for tuning in. If you want more episodes just like this one, make sure you subscribe to our channel and give us a rating and review. Thanks so much, and we'll talk soon. You just listened to the NetSuite Podcast. Be sure to tune in every week with more NetSuite developments, stories, and insights into the benefits of one integrated system to help you run your business.